Hey, listeners, this is William Sterling, and you're listening to the Killer Mediums podcast, where we talk about all your favorite horror tropes and how they manifest across all your favorite mediums of entertainment. Today's topic is gross-out horror, and we're joined by Goop Maestro, Lord Gislason. As a warning, this is an incredibly spoiler-heavy podcast, so if you would like to avoid spoilers for any of today's topics, especially Lore's book, Inside Out, or the movies Body Melt, Society, or Slugs, then turn back now. Uh, but with all of that said, here we go. Let's get spooky. Foreigners tied bells to everybody in the morgue. So if they heard a ting, they knew somebody down there wasn't quite ready to go. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm excited because my book comes out tomorrow, which is crazy. You've been having that countdown going on and it just feels like (laughs) the tension's getting bigger and bigger and I'm so excited for you. Thank you. I got a chance to read an advanced copy of it and I can say just like starting this episode out, it is my favorite work in the goop horror spectrum um i know i don't have a a huge background in gross out horror like we'll we'll get into that as the episode goes but as i'm watching these movies and as i'm reading inside out while i'm watching these movies like my mind just kept going back to lord did this better (laughs) Um, so i i I hope that comes across as the compliment that that it is I, I took all the best parts from all the movies and put them in the book. You really did. And we'll we'll get into kind of what that means for me as we go, like what I thought the best parts of these movies were and how, kind of how they popped up in the books. But I guess I'm jumping the shark a little bit here. Uh, I usually like starting these episodes out with just giving you a chance to introduce yourself to the listeners. So Lore, who are you? What's your niche in the horror community? What's tell us a little bit about this book that's coming out? Like free reign. What would you like to talk about? <laughs> uh, my name is Lore. My pronouns are they them. I'm from Vancouver Island, Canada, which is on like the Pacific Northwest, and I write basically body horror and gross out horror. My book Inside Out comes out October 10th, which is technically tomorrow. I'm not sure when this airs. <laughs> it's about uh, basically a plague of horrible melting people and animals that show up and each chapter is a different person experiencing and dealing with it. So it's like part novella, part short story collection, and it is very disgusting. Yes. And, and I am apologizing in advance to anyone who reads it and doesn't want to eat meat anymore. <laughs> And I'm also editing a um, anthology of trans body horror with ghoulish books. That's Max Booth the Third, and that's coming out in April. It's called Bounded Flesh. And I'm also starting a little collection with my friends Eric Raglan and Shelley Levine. We're collectively known as the Goop Troop because we write <laughs> really gross stuff. So we're having a, a collection come out. I'm not sure when, but. That's that's all my lineup. Nice. I love it. Um, you 
did such a cool job finding like the best publishers out there to work with like Darklit Press for Inside Out and I love Andrew to death and then Ghoulish Books I know Max is all over Twitter and the social spheres and like every time he posts stuff like you know it's going to be quality I love that for you that that's a really great way to like kickstart a writing career it was com- it was very lucky and accidental so i'm i'm just very happy to to be where i am right now i've got a couple of show notes for all four of the things that we're going to talk about today your novella the the body melt movie the slugs movie and the society movie so i wanted to kind of let you take the lead here as the goop maestro where should we start our journey here today which of these which of these four works should we dive into to kick things off Maybe we start start small and work our way up. Okay. So we could we could do slugs, body mount, society book. Let's do it. Okay. So starting with slugs, as if the name of the movie wasn't mm-hmm. obvious enough, uh, can you go ahead and set the stage here for us a little bit? What is slugs about? It is about these horrible little slugs that have little <laughs> tiny fangs. And they attack people in this town, and the story is told from, I think he's a health inspector, which which is an interesting way to tell this story. And he's like, no, guys, we have to, you know, don't, don't drink the water, don't eat all this stuff. And nobody listens to him, of course. And I think there are only, like, five deaths in the movie total. But they are all ridiculous, and it's just extremely silly, and it feels... It feels like a good gross out one to to start on if you're not super into it so you can gauge how how well you can handle it maybe. Right. So I I did these in the reverse order when you sent me the list for the episode. I think <laughs> I went the biggest and the baddest to start with and then I worked my way down to slugs at the I watched slugs yesterday actually. So ending on slugs was like a little bit of a breath for me like okay this is this is more normal i can never eat lettuce again (laughs) um i think i said that in the show notes there is one there is one moment in slugs where one of the titular uh slugs gets into a head of lettuce and the lady that's chopping it up to make dinner just like hacks straight through it and doesn't notice it and thinks it's anchovies or olives or something as she's feeding it to everybody and it's just oh it's, the, so, it's so gross and ridiculous it's so everything is so slimy in all yeah. of these movies i love it and i hate it and it gets under my skin let me let me come to you with this question so though so while I'm I'm having these reactions over here why goop horror what is it about the slimy sluggy things that that draws you to this particular corner of the horror sphere I I want to say I started with body horror and that's still my main area of focus but there's something about just like gross stuff that it's it's almost like a gleeful reaction where you're like oh that's terrible but i can't look away <laughs> and and i think it it's fun to explore that in horror because it's like a, a safe and easy way to do it without being you know realistic i don't know i think it's there's a lot of gothic horror and you know more serious and somber horror like midsummer out there right now 
And it's just kind of depressing. I'm like, why don't why don't we just get a little bit silly with it? You know, take it back to to the silly. And the 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 word goop, I used once to describe myself, and I think the people I was talking to just had a really funny reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And I kept using the word goopy, and now it is like my brand and my thing, and I feel very attached to it. So it's it's like the Nickelodeon slime kind of aesthetic, and that's me. Yeah, I I like that that idea that it gives the horror filmmakers and it gives the storytellers free reign to be a little bit more silly with it because that is something that's a very like common through line between all of these movies is, is they are all just so silly. Like I don't. I don't think anybody's going to watch these movies and get genuinely scared, like fear the lettuce in their refrigerator. <laughs> I'm not scared of the lettuce. I'm just going to like very intentionally like check it. <laughs> you just got to wash your produce. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take care of the food. But it's it's fun. Like that's that's more of the reaction that you get here than you brought up Midsommar. And I think that's perfect. There is some gross stuff in Midsommar, like the uh, the cliff divers scene. I'll try not to get more particular than that in case somebody hasn't seen it and doesn't want that one spoiled. But the, the, the cliff diver scene is really disgusting, but it's not disgusting in the same way that these are. These are fun. These are these are entertainment, not dark, gritty realism. Yeah. Favorite kill from slugs. If it's not the the guy in the restaurant that his face explodes with with slugs that I think they just use worms for that scene. Yeah. But there's an old couple and the guy is working in his greenhouse and one of them gets in his glove and he decides, well, I can't get it out of my glove, so I'll just chop my hand off. Yep. <laughs> and his wife walks in and she starts screaming. And they knock over like kerosene or something and their greenhouse explodes. It's it's like this doesn't have anything to do with slugs anymore. It's just we wanted, <laughs> to, have, we wanted to have an explosion in our movie. So I like that one. They they work a bunch of explosions into this one. Like I had, it, they had a very small budget and it all went to explosions, I think. Because they've got that one in the greenhouse, they've got the one in the sewers where everything's blowing up at the very end. Like they just throw all of it. All the pirate. We're, we're, we're making a dumb movie. We <laughs> might as well go big. Yeah. Um, Slugs follows a very like traditional narrative structure, which I appreciated after watching the other two because the other two take the silliness and really ingrain it in the storytelling as well as like the on-screen gags. Um, but f- for anybody that is considering diving into one of these three i know my recommendation and i think you alluded to this a second ago too my recommendation would be maybe start with slugs because it is very accessible and it feels a lot like what we're used to it gets ridiculous the way that goopor does it seems like um but you've got that health inspector he's trying to solve what's going on there's a main character going through all of this i don't know i I felt very comfortable with slugs while I was very uncomfortable watching slugs. I at least knew what I was doing with this one, though. I think um, it helps that slugs is actually based on a book. I haven't read it. Oh, but okay. I 
but I don't think any of the other movies that we're going to talk about are are based on books. So maybe that structure when I'm I'm not sure how how they adapted it, but you know, maybe that carried over. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Um I know did you say you wanted to talk about body melt next? Because this might be a good yeah. chance to move into that. Okay. So I know with if our second movie is Body Melt here, when I was trying to look up what the hell I was watching with Body Melt, I, I was Googling the movie in the middle of watching the movie. Like, I don't get this. What is happening? Um, I found out that the creators originally wanted Body Melt to be the start of an anthology series. Um, they, they wanted multiple different stories, multiple different narratives happening within the same world. And they wanted to keep building it out more and more. And it lends itself to this very odd story structure. So before I go off on that entire ramble, uh, can you set the stage for us? What is Body Melt? Uh, and why why is it one of the movies that you thought of to recommend for, for the episode today? I think first off, Body Melt is uh underviewed and underappreciated as yeah. far as body horror movies go uh i think it's uh, australian and the the basic premise is there's like a vitamin thing that literally makes your body melt after you take it and the movie starts with a guy and he, he's kind of like going off the road and crazy and he's got like stuff coming out of his face and the whole movie is very frenetic and like I think there's a lot of electronic dance music and it's just very fast and weird and I I feel like a lot of movies these days are really slow mm-hmm. and I just kind of like that that pacing I guess I have a bad attention span so that probably helps but it's just weird and over the top and super super gross and it's fun yeah it is very gross it is very weird it is everything you just build it to be my experience trying to watch this movie was i mistakenly went into it trying to predict what was going to be happening and you cannot do that with this movie. Yeah, first, you have no idea where it's going. Yeah, the first couple minutes reminded me of like Resident Evil or something, where there's this big corporation doing experimental stuff on a on a little neighborhood society, like super Raccoon City ish. So I was like, okay, bracing for a raccoon, like a Resident Evil type of a storyline where, where something goes wrong at the pharmacy and it starts spreading. But then it very quickly pivots to we're out in the boonies and we've met this very odd family of like hillbilly hell, like as dramatic of an over personification as you could get with that. And there there's some like teenage guys trying to get laid and then all of a sudden it switches back to this lady that's pregnant back in the normal society and like just it takes so many right turns that I was just like, <laughs> it's like a roller coaster. You just have to go with it. Yeah. And it, it comes together by the end. Like it, it does. It just does not do any handholding to get you there. And I think if I had kind of known the roller coaster I was in for going into it, I might've appreciated it more, but trying to make sense of it while I was watching it was the absolute wrong approach. <laughs> 
I think that another funny thing is that the poster really doesn't give you a good impression of what the movie's about. It's the poster is kind of this see-through medical model and you can see like their skeleton and stuff on the inside. But that doesn't really give you a good impression of what what's going to happen. The I have the Blu-ray because I'm a weirdo and the the blu-ray cover is the the lady holding her face as it melts and it's like ah which feels more accurate to yeah yeah i watched it on tubi so body Mm -hmm. melt is on tubi if we are selling you on this and you would like to go dive in yourself but the the cover you're talking about it looks very similar to like hellraiser as as that body's being assembled in the attic like it looks like the midpoint of that assemblage so i kind of went into it expecting something dark and Hellraiser-ish. And instead I got, like you were saying, like 90s upbeat techno music as we're running around in the Australian outback. Like, I, what? Just, okay. Um, okay, so same question as I had from Slugs. What's your favorite kill in Body Melt? Oh, I think as horrible as it is, it might be... The pregnant lady because yes. it is so ridiculous um i'm basically spoiling it but uh she she's pregnant and it her belly just like explodes and all of this gunk comes out of it and it's wiggling and flying around and it's the most insane thing you've ever seen and i, I can't even describe it properly but it is horrible but it's but it's all kind of it's not told in a dark and uh upsetting way it's just all like in your face and weird and fun so even though you know you're seeing this poor woman go through this it's just like oh my god this is crazy the comp that i came up with while i was watching that scene because that stood out to me too that's that's one of my two favorite kills in this movie um have you seen national lampoon's christmas vacation no okay there is a scene in that movie where the the dad severely overbakes a turkey and puts it on the kitchen table and they're about to cut into it for for christmas dinner and it it just folds outward and this burst of smoke comes up from it as if the whole thing's dead and just like farted and it feels like that, but on a like much larger scale in this movie. Like it's the little Christmas vacation gag, but done. Maybe maybe it's like that mixed with the operation scene from the thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, so listeners, imagine those two scenes combined. And if you cannot wrap your head around that, because how could you go watch this movie? <laughs> The other one that I really liked, not so much for the kill, but for how it was shot, the the enlarged tongue scene. Oh, yeah, one that's a good one, too. At the very end, that the tongue just starts swelling and swelling and swelling and, like, it explodes their head. But in the background of that scene, they're at this hospital, and there's this family that had been waiting to bring their toddler back to do something with the doctor. And there is just this honest-to-goodness, like, two-year-old actor wandering around in the back of the scene like looking over at the actor as they're doing all this special effects exploding stuff with their tongue coming out of their mouth and just this baby is just into it 
like the, yeah, the baby's laughing and like pointing at the actor <laughs> yeah that's how that's how i react to this kind of stuff I, i've got a two-year-old at home right now too and i'm just like yep horrifying morbid thing and they're just gonna point and laugh like yep that tracks yeah. <laughs> but it's it's the tone of the movie all in one like big goopy gross thing happening and you know everybody's just having fun with it does it make a lot of sense no does it need to hell no I'm learning to appreciate this genre for that sort of an attitude and that sort of an approach. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, my book sort of comes together and has a cohesive plot in the end, but it didn't start that way. It started as just like a couple of vignettes of weird, horrible stuff that I was just having fun with, so. Let's dive into your book then, because this does seem like a good point to do that, because I've kind of pointed out a couple of the things that didn't land as well for me in the the movies already the main thing being in body melts it it threw me for a loop when there wasn't a cohesive story behind it and even when they tried to make one at the end it just felt very stapled together and a lot of the logic for who was doing what and why just like really seemed like a writer's room at the very end of the day just saying ah fuck it and throwing some dart at the board your book, though, Inside Out, has the same sort of an approach as far as being an anthology and having lots of different stories happening to lots of different people, but it all feels so much better interconnected than Body Melted. Like, it feels like every story we're reading in Inside Out is driving towards some bigger purpose. So you started this a little bit already, but just kind of nudging you along a little bit more. What was your process for writing this? When did that bigger picture start coming together for you? I think um, I originally started with three stories. They all came from a weird dream that I had. I wrote them down. And then I started thinking about, well, what else would happen in this world? And it and it kind of grew out from there. And I rearranged the stories a few times because some of them take place a little bit later after this infection spreads to the whole United States and, you know, more of the world. So I sort of shuffled them around so it made a bit more sense in that way. But... For the most part, I just wrote what I thought sounded funny and weird. And uh, I would send it to my friends and they would say, that's disgusting. Why did you send me that? <laughs> I don't know. I I kind of would come up with stuff. I, I am an insomniac, so I, I would have ideas at three in the morning and I'd rip out my phone and I'd write them down and I'd be like, okay, I'll look at it in the morning when I'm awake. I'd be like, that sounds insane. I need to like pack apart, you know, take apart whatever I I thought of last night and see if I could make something cohesive out of it. And I'm really lucky that uh, my friend Mira uh, went through it and did some copy editing for me and made it sound a bit more sane. And the, the my friends that I showed it to had suggestions, and uh, I added a couple of stories near the end of the writing process that I think helped uh, tie it together. Um, like there's one about a, a tattoo artist. That, that one I wrote pretty late. Yeah. And uh, one about a girl discovering 
uh, her religious background, that one was also written pretty late, but they, they kind of shuffled into different parts where they worked best. Nice. Um, I don't want to nudge you too deep into spoiler territory, so feel free to like stop my questioning wherever you would like here, but do you have a favorite story in the collection? I, I, I shouldn't call it a collection because it is a novella. But I'd like to ask what your favorite is first, and I'll okay. tell you. I can do that. Uh, mine comes pretty early in the book, so um, I, I don't think I'm giving too terribly much away here. There is one, I think you called it The Child, where, do you mind if I d- dive into the story a little bit? Go for it. Okay. There is this kid that go comes home from school and goes downstairs and sees their parents um, fornicating. Uh, getting it on in the basement and the kid has this ew gross moment and runs upstairs to their room and then eventually comes to realize like oh they weren't just doing the dirty they were like body melting together as so many people are doing around town nowadays but the thing that made that stand out to me was like beyond the body horror stuff that's going on in the basement and that is very gross awesome job painting (laughs) that picture for us it's so horrifying the girl's reaction to that because it's not a kid freaking out. Oh, my parents are dead and like running off and freaking out. She just like takes it totally in stride. Like, hey, I guess I don't have to go to school now. Uh, <laughs> she just like stays up in her room and like throws a sandwich down to her devolving parents periodically. And even uh, I'll I'll not spoil the the end of the story, but like the gut punch at the very end of it is super effective too. Like it just hits horror on so many levels in this little like eight or nine page like one shot. I thought all of the elements worked really well, were super effective. Like it it stunned me for a second. Um, that was one of the the three original stories that I wrote, and I did. You know, it wasn't totally one for one from my my dream, but a lot of uh, the little girl's name is Alice and a lot of the stuff from her, I think, is is kind of just just me and how I guess I would react in that situation. Like, I'd be like, sweet, I don't know. I don't have to go to school. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It's sort of like, how would you deal with that situation? Because there's not really anything you can do about it if your parents are getting all gross and melty and she she's like well there's no helicopters and police cars going by so i guess everybody's gone (laughs) i'm I'm running out of stuff to do what do do i do now (laughs) okay i've got like three questions in my head right now and i'm trying to figure out which one to go to next do you want to talk about your favorite story in the collection now my favorite is called the zit which is disgusting Uh, but it's about a trans girl named Cassie who is terribly bullied and she also has a really bad zit at the the time of the bullying and something comes out of the zit and I I hate myself for using the description of cottage cheese but (laughs) that that's what I used and I you know I was pretty badly bullied as a kid and uh I just, you know, I I think I channeled that that into that, and I like that um, Cassie comes out on top and loves herself at the end of the story. 
like not you know i don't not all my stories have sad endings because that's not realistic i you know the whole gambit of emotions and people's reactions to this weird weird event happening yeah and i i like that you brought that one up because i vividly remember at the end of that story the illustration for it so you talked about how it has a happy ending uh cassie cassie like learns to love herself feels good at the end of it and then there's this like beautifully grotesque illustration of what cassie is turning into uh with the goopiness so that was going to be my next line of questioning uh was about those illustrations there are some really cool drawings built into this book who did those drawings how collaborative was that process of trying to get the illustrations done are the illustrations kind of what you saw them as as you were writing the story or is this like artist's interpretation um the drawings came after and that the the one on the zit is done by kelly c on or gross kelly i think is her name on twitter but before the book was being made i just got a commission done of one of the monsters just for fun and then when i was writing it i thought well would it be cool if i got more art of this and uh getting it published was kind of a pipe dream at, at that point so i was like i'll just put everything i got into this so i more than even horror writers i follow a lot of horror artists so i would approach them and say you know are you open for commissions and i would send them three stories and i would say pick one that you like the best and just draw whatever comes to mind from it and i mean they're these are all the the first things they came up with and they're all fabulous and horrible And I think it just kind of makes the book even better because it's like a, the reward for getting through the horrible stories. <laughs> you get this equally horrible and wonderful drawing. Yeah, I I appreciated them a lot. I know that seems to be a thing that's coming back into style with horror. And I just I love it. Yeah, um, I'm really I'm really happy about it. Uh I'm reading, um, I think it's called It Was All a Dream. It's a anthology of horror tropes, and there's an illustration after each one. And I'm like, this this rules. More people need to do this. <laughs> yeah, I that's yes, perfect. I was just talking to Brandon Applegate. Uh, I interviewed him two nights ago, and he oh, I think he's, he's gonna so be nice. the episode before yours too. So he was the the editor for that anthology, and we talked about the illustrations there too. So I'm just, I want that to be a thing in horror again, right? Uh, I love those old Goosebumps illustrations. I love, like, the more visuals you can give me, the the more engrossed I'm going to get in stuff. Yeah, I'm a very visual person. So I think it it's just kind of how I respond to things. And a lot of my stuff is based on, you know, things I saw in movies or TV shows. So it's just... Uh, how it came together okay so we've got one last movie to talk about here and speaking of visuals let's get into society um this movie has been getting 
a lot of love on Twitter recently, and I didn't realize what it was to start with. So they've got that picture of the red room at the end of the movie that that keeps getting posted and memefied and whatever else. I incorrectly assumed that was the end scene from Suspiria every time <laughs> I saw it get posted. So a lot of people's jokes and memes like just went straight over my head. I was like, I'm I mean, sort of whenever they would post up, like I would sort of kind of think I got the joke and just also be very confused. Now that I've watched Society, though, holy crap, that scene. Yeah. Um, that scene is kind of like the whole the the whole movie <laughs> is yeah. is is to build up to that scene. Yeah. Um, so we already put the spoiler tag at the beginning of, of this episode, but seriously, if you want to watch society and have the appropriate, like, reactions in the right spots, you should probably turn this podcast off right now and go watch it and come back to us. I promise we'll wait. Um, but set set the stage for the first half of the movie for us and then we can dive into the the goop fest that it ends on i don't remember what the kid's name is um ryan ryan or something so there's this rich kid billy billy so yeah is billy is the son of a, a rich family and he just doesn't feel like he fits in with them and he talks to his uh therapist about it and it's just some he notices something kind of weird going on with his family and they keep talking about this like coming of age party that his sister's gonna have and things just keep getting weirder and weirder and his friends start disappearing and then you finally get to see what the party is. And it is the, the most insane thing you have ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> and they call it the shunting, which is also a, a weird name. So the meme is to post this picture from the, the shunting in response to things. Um, the twist of the movie is that rich people are a different species from us. And they they eat people, and to do so, they kind of all melt into this one giant pile of flesh and, like, have fun and weird parties. So the, they have, like, almost a joke, like, oh, it'll be nice when you join society. Like, mm-hmm. wink, wink. So the whole last act of the movie is Billy wandering around this party and seeing horrible horrible things happen and it but like all of the the rich people are like laughing the whole time and it's just like a fever dream yeah so just there's so much to talk about here just the social commentary of the rich people being a different species than everybody else like that especially this day and age like how true does that ring (laughs) um the the paranoia fueling the first half of the movie where billy knows something's up and you know something's up and you just don't know exactly what it feels very very get out ish to me um where you're, you're just like everybody's a little bit off and they keep saying 
weird things like i think my favorite line in the movie is um billy's billy's with his brand new girlfriend and she's offering to get him coffee and she's like you how do you take your coffee you want sugar you want cream you want me to pee in it and she just says a totally deadpan (laughs) what (laughs) they just just don't come yeah yeah this was whatever just just messing with you I don't know if he heard that right. I don't know if I heard that right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it just builds up to this big, like, I don't know what to call it other than, like, orgasmic, body-melding, societal thing. Oh, yeah, they're all, they're all doing it in there, and it is weird to think <laughs> about. But there's some absolutely strange imagery. I think it's the mayor. The mayor's there and he's smoking a cigar. Mm -hmm. And they eat this guy who has a big mole on his face. And he like picks it up and eats it like it's an M&M or something. Yeah. And they they like, I don't know, they get really weird and sexual about it when they're ripping them apart. And uh, there's this guy that billy has kind of a quarrel with who's a rich kid and they have like a little fight and billy like shoves his hand inside of him and squishes it around because i guess they're all really squishy when they get to this point and it and it's just like oh my god what am i looking at (laughs) i i read that uh i don't know what particular thing they made all of those effects out of but that and the studio lights it was just like really hot and gross the whole time they were filming it and i'm like yeah i can tell it looks gross and everybody is dripping with sweat that whole third act and you can see like the misery of the actors kind of (laughs) as they're doing this it's like it's uh it it is like a much larger scale version of that nightmare on elm street moment where freddy's melding with a bunch of other victims and stuff like it it takes that and it goes just way farther um, i really, I really like that um the opening credits have the 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 shunting in the background but it's like blurred and they put Mm -hmm. the names over top and you're like what am i looking at so that's it's kind of a a nice like tease about the ending of the movie yeah and you hear the moaning and you hear the sucking noises but it doesn't completely tip its hand to you yeah Uh, i i thought that was really well done um, and then you you see the special effects by screaming mad George and you know you're in for a good time. Yes. If you get a nickname like that on a on a production studio or on a production crew, like yeah, yeah, you you know what you're up to. Uh okay, so with all of this said, and maybe it's just that end scene and like how far out there it goes. But what in your mind makes this movie so iconic? Like what helps this one stand the test of time that we're still watching it, talking about it 30 years later, uh, whereas a bunch of other goop movies like maybe didn't didn't have the staying power? 
I think it's the the effects are so gross and they do a lot of things that I they 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 do silly things like there's a guy and his head turns into a giant hand and like flicks him or his his sister her like body twists around she's got huge feet it's it's like hilarious and dumb and and disgusting and horrible because you know they're gonna eat billy Mm -hmm. it's it's i don't know they just they went 110 percent with all of it and that scene is just insane so we can't get it out of our brains i watched that when i was uh i think 14 or 15 (laughs) oh my gosh yeah (laughs) I we talked about this on the horror with kids episode in season one, but it's always interesting to hear when people get exposure to what elements of horror and like, is there a right time to let somebody watch society or a wrong time to let somebody watch society? Oh, I, I would I would have no idea about that. <laughs> like, I'm I'm not a parent and I don't plan to be one. So I know that's a, a tough decision. And I don't, I don't have the answer to that. Maybe, maybe never, but you know. (laughs) 14, 15 seems like that would be an age that this movie would like knock you to the floor with like all of the stuff it's doing though. Um, So yeah. Um, Okay. So kind of moving into wrap up questions, bringing everything back together again uh, and talking about gross out horror as a collective. Um, which of our four uh, things, movies and books, uh, would you recommend people start an adventure into goop horror with uh, versus which one do you think is maybe the best example of goop horror? And I know I gave my answer already. And if you want to use the same answers, that's totally fine. But I would recommend people start with slugs and then read your book inside out as like the pinnacle of here's what this can be. Oh, uh, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's a, a good escalation and you can kind of see which, what is too much for you because my book is a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In a great way, but it is a lot. Um, and then other question I like, uh pitching to our guests is um what would your dream gross out project be let's say you've got a publisher that's going to let you write whatever you want with no notes or you've got a movie studio that's going to let you like script whatever movie you want with no notes if you have total free reign here to make just the best gross out thing you can come up with where's your mind go what what's that project look like um i think a little bit i'm sort of doing that right now with me and my friends doing goop troop because uh we we each have a couple stories and the first one i wrote is absolutely horrible and i feel like such an asshole for <laughs> writing <laughs> it um because i'm like no no one what the part of what made us want to write this is because uh, often when publishers have open calls they'll have no extreme horror on the very bottom you're like oh man well now i can't submit to it so we're like well we'll just we'll just do it ourselves and 
uh, I had, uh, I'll, I'll give a, a clue. I, I read this silly meme about, it was called uh, Baby Crushed Yarn. I was like, that's a that's a weird way to phrase that, you guys. And I thought, what if what if it was? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what my first story is about. And my second story is about hair. And I won't go into it more than that, but Okay. I, yeah. Nice. I'm excited. So um when that gets published, are y'all publishing it as like the goop troop presents? um yeah it's, how, how should it's, we look out for that it's called sick stories from the goop troop and that'll be from darklit press very cool um anything else you would like to tell our listeners about anything else that we should mention before we sign off on gross out horror um you can follow me on twitter at lorelei l-o-r-e-l-l-i underscore I post a lot about horror stuff like this and also pictures of that cat named Pierogi. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, check out my book Inside Out, which is out now. Yeah. And I appreciate people putting up with uh, the, the gross stuff I talk about all the time. <laughs> well, you have certainly uh, expanded my horizons in the uh, in the trope. So thank you for that. Uh, and I hope the book launch goes really well. This will probably roll out. I just announced the schedule the other day. I don't remember. Uh, but I think this is going to roll out late November. So by the time this is out, Inside Out will be fully on the market. And you'll have all the reviews to go back and look at. And uh, it's it's going to be great. So make sure you have picked up your copy if you haven't already. But with all of that said... That just about wraps us up for this episode. To everybody that's listening, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to like or subscribe or meld your physical form together with the streaming service of your choice. Uh, and we will see you next time. I'm William Sterling, and this has been another episode of the Killer Mediums Podcast. Coroners tied bells to everybody in the morgue. So if they heard a ting, they knew somebody down there wasn't quite ready to go. Mm -hmm.